everyone. Hi, hello. It is me, Allison Rosen, and I am sitting here in Dining Room Studios with Ricky Lindholm from Another Period and Garfunkel and Oates and more. And Ricky was on the fourth episode ever of this really? podcast. Yeah, I wow. went back and checked. It was really, really early because I remembered that we recorded it in the place that I used to live in Hollywood. Yeah, it was. I remember it was like a little, uh, looked like a gingerbread house or something. Pete Holmes referred yeah. to it as a hobbit house. Right, right, right. Yeah, it was the <laughs> cutest house in a pretty cruddy neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, before... I, initially, it was like unclear whether my pop- podcast was going to be on the network that I ended up being on for a while. And so we had started recording just independently. Uh, and then I moved into the studio. But yeah, so that was really early on. And then you and Kate were guests at the very first live show I did That's at right. UCB. That was fun. So this is all going very far back. Yeah. And, and then, how long has it been on now? When was that? I have that, no concept of time. Okay. You also don't have a concept of left and right. At Which all. Yeah. I don't either. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. I have to do the hand, the L thing. Right. And then I know. Like, I think I know. I'm pretty sure, but I double check if it's something, <laughs> you know, if I'm building something from Ikea and they're like, put this on the left, I'm not going to just wing it. You yeah. actually will build stuff from Ikea? Not anymore, but that was the only thing I could think of. Right. No, I know. Yeah. I understand. I just, I think uh, I would sooner have someone built do it for me and if that wasn't an option i think i wouldn't buy it i think that's how much i know that i'm not the Mm -hmm. kind of person who can put together something from ikea my problem is i love how ikea furniture looks and so uh, it does look good i know i'll be looking in dwell magazine and there'll be like 12 desks and i'm like ooh, which one is that and i always pick the ikea one (laughs) i'm like i have the most low rent taste which i guess is good but yeah as long i don't like to put things together and are you still living in the place i came over and did your podcast oh yeah no i've moved so many times okay i just constantly move i live in hollywood but i just a different place the place when i came over it was like really cool and modern and almost lofty that's what i always see the ikea is that your taste yeah Yeah, that's my taste i like i like i don't like rounded things i don't like uh stuff at all like i'd rather have a blank wall than anything on it Uh and i don't like knickknacks and i don't like um what are they cozy what what do they call it when a hotel is like a bed and breakfast did they call it um, like an inn charm i don't like charm okay yeah i don't i'm anti-charm you know it's interesting because well then you'll feel very comfortable with me um (laughs) (laughs) it's interesting because I tend to go for like sofas with round, with rolled arms mm-hmm. and all that quaint, like kit, that yeah. not kitschy, but that quaint sort of, I guess, charm type mm-hmm. stuff. Um, but then I was looking at pictures of a hotel that I was considering staying in and the bed skirts were really ruffled. And I was like, Oh, that won't do. Like in a hotel, it has I to don't, be modern. Yes. Cause, oh, cause if it's not modern, then it looks really dated to me. It really and I does. I think it's like, Oh, they haven't you know, refreshed anything since I don't know when. And it's going to be a place that's all musty and tiny and It's yucky. kind of true though. That's kind of true across the board. I, I haven't seen like a new modern, amazing hotel with, you know, dust ruffles that are with dust ruffles really right like that's true yeah oh that's what it is a dust ruffle yeah they, they is it even, even called a dust ruffle if it's got the sheet skirt yeah bed skirt um dust ruffle that's a, a dust- stupid name <laughs> i know <laughs> you don't need a roughly dust no. thing okay but anyway you had asked when that was and that i started it in 2012 so oh, I th- okay so that was 2012 that makes sense yeah so it's been a long time mm-hmm. although i've cu- i've 
you know, kept up with your career from Twitter and occasionally emailing yeah. and Instagram and whatnot. So I feel like I know what's up with you, but you're yeah, just going to have to busy. fill us in. It's been busy since 2012. I, yeah, it's been kind of nonstop. But this summer was a little easier. It was I had a nice summer. I just got back from London two nights ago. What were you there for? Just seeing a bunch of plays. I went with my bestie and we went to Amsterdam for a few days and we saw Hamlet and Gypsy and stuff like that. What was the best? Gypsy. It was so good. Imelda Staunton is Gypsy. It's I've been listening to it. Well, not I, the Imelda Staunton version does not exist on MP3, but I have the Bernadette Peters version, and I've been mm-hmm. listening to it on repeat, just picturing Imelda doing it. Nothing against Bernadette, but she was so amazing that I just can't get over it. Well, I'm have you seen it live? I have not. No. Oh, it's so good. I just saw Phantom again, though. <laughs> it's you know I was considering getting stoned and going to Phantom. Because I haven't gone since eighth grade. Mm-hmm. I hadn't gone in a really long time. Um, it's a new, I don't know, is this, it's still playing in London, right? Phantom? Oh, I feel I don't like know. it probably always is. Probably. Um, but it's a new staging of it, and I didn't like it as much. Oh. I, I didn't. They made, okay, let's get into it for okay. just a moment. Mm-hmm. They made it much more dark, and they made the Phantom much more villainous. And What? He was and, already so villainous. Yeah. But there was something romantic about him too, like yeah. tortured and romantic. And now it's re- it just felt more like horror. And also when the when I saw it, it was understudies in the role of Christine and Phantom, <gasps> so it wasn't no fair. I kind of yeah, it's got to be one or the other. And she looked either. He was okay, but she looked very frightened the whole time. And I don't know if that was acting or if she just really was uncomfortable. Right, because you could play Christine as so skittish and yeah. <laughs> Right. Yeah. But I think it's better if there's chemistry between the two of them. It's yeah. better if there's if there's some humanity to him. Right. Whereas this version it was like, yeah, he's just a deformed, monstrous, murderous guy. That's such a weird choice. I thought so too. I wouldn't like that. But I wonder if it was the understudy it was maybe it was first night and he's not he didn't realize how he was coming across. Well, I would have thought that, except then afterwards I went back and I read reviews that were talking about how they've made it, you know, a much more dark, kind of gothic version of it. weird. Hamlet was strange because they changed, like, the order around, which I didn't know you were allowed to do. I knew you were allowed to make cuts, but, like, the to be or not to be was five minutes in. I was like, oh, that seems like that seems weird and i don't think you should do that Mm-mm. and they left certain parts in that were so long and i was like this should have been cut like after ophelia drowns and uh the mom i can't remember her name comes back like she spends a minute and a half describing the flowers that were next to the lake i was like that should be cut <laughs> she was like roses and long purples and, and, and the guy's like what happened to my sister maybe it's like when bachman turner overdrive plays at the state fair and they play taking care of business at the beginning of the set and the end of the set <laughs> Right. To be or not to be at the beginning. And yeah. Did you stay for the encore? Maybe they came back out dressed yeah. as light bulbs doing to be or not to be. Cumberbatch Hamlet. Yeah. <laughs> no. Okay, so you were just in London mm-hmm. and another period got renewed. Got yes. renewed for I'm season two. So Congratulations. Thank you. Two weeks ago, we went, um, me and uh, Natasha Legero, who created it with me, and Moshe Kasher, one of the writers, and Jeremy Connor, the director, we all went to Newport where the show is set and we did all the mansion tours and just tried to get ideas and drink champagne and stuff like that it was awesome when did you find out it was renewed um i think like three or four weeks ago but then it didn't come out till two weeks ago people were on to us though because we were in newport mm-hmm. and they're like what are you doing there? <laughs> yeah i guess so three weeks ago we we're in newport and everyone's like um that that looks suspicious so and you also have we're going to canvas all the things and then we'll go into detail you also have an album coming out yes soon. september 10th 
Um, it's called Secretions. It's uh, we were actually. I was just. I'm such a dork. I was. Uh, I came here like an hour early because I like to park and listen to things in my car, mm-hmm. and I'll just pick a spot. And if I'm driving, I can't focus. So I just parked. I was just parked outside listening to it. like they just. We just mastered it today, so it's sounding pretty good. And what can we expect from this new Garfunkel Notes album? Well, basically, we started it like two or three years ago, and then we got a TV show, and just everything went away and we I mean not went away but we just everything got put on hold Mm -hmm. and so it's a lot of old songs a lot of songs from the tv show and then like three or four new ones so yeah some exciting new ones yeah where did the idea for another period come from now I'm I'm jumping around well so basically Natasha had gone to Newport just for fun because she and I both love to just travel all the time and and she went to Newport and did the house tours and then she and I were trying to think of something to make together because well Garfunkel and Notes started because the writer's strike was happening and um, Kate and I decided to make a short and the short turned into a musical, which turned into our band. And so I was telling Natasha and I were like a little bit bored at the time and nothing was happening. How did you guys meet? We met just through the comedy circuit, but then we became friends when um, we went on this trip to Senegal with Malaria No More and she and I were there. Um, There was three other comedians, but they were they came like three days later. So Mm -hmm. she and I were in Senegal together and that's a bonding experience. I think I've seen pictures from, unless she's been on a lot of similar type trips. No, I've seen pictures. Yeah. That was just, that was just the one. (laughs) That was like, I think a one time thing for me. Um, but so, uh, when, when I was like, well, when I, when Kate and I started, we made this short and Natasha's like, well, let's make a short. We kept brainstorming and then we couldn't think of anything. And then she was finally like, okay, I have two ideas. One is about like a reality show of the dumbest people in America. Mm-hmm. And the other one is like a drama thing set in 1902. And I, you know, it was like three glasses of wine in and I'm like, combine them. <laughs> and then uh, she was like, oh my God, yes. And we start brainstorming. And the next morning we called each other and we're like, we're making this right. This is not, yeah, we're making this. And then we did. And when was that? Oh gosh. See, I have no concept of time. It was, it was before we did a Garfunkel Notes pilot, so it was three or four years ago. The funny thing is, I remember w- when another period was announced, I was like, oh, so many Instagram pictures now make sense yes. because <laughs> there were so many Instagram pictures of you and Natasha in these big frilly dresses. And right. I never, I <laughs> knew you were working on something, but I never knew what it was. Mm-hmm. And then it all came together. So it, yeah, it, does it feel like it was a long time ago for you? It feels, I could be off by two years, what I just estimated, because I have no concept, but it feels very, very long ago Mm -hmm. it was you know we we did it out of pocket and we you know just did it because we felt like it and then afterwards we're like oh this is kind of good we need to shop it around and did you find any resistance from people in terms of um I don't know, taking into the concept or selling it or did it find a home fast well that we actually pitched it around town and everyone seemed to like it but everybody passed and then we were like well why and and we had the same feedback across the board they're like it's so funny we don't see where it goes as a series and so we're like oh great so we'll show them where it goes as a series and we wrote the pilot and we wrote a bible like showing so you pitched without did you have what what did you have when you we had we had the short and we had a a pitch where it would go like a pitch of what would happen but we realized that the pitch was had holes in it and was Mm -hmm. kind of flawed and it was too weird of a concept to not be completely solidified so we went and we just planned out the thing in this we made this show bible and we went back and then you know people wanted it so that's so exciting yeah we're like people are like you're just gonna they turned you down and we're like yeah but they liked it we were like people were laughing we got that go. you were going back yeah i mean oh no you people were laughing in the room yeah I mean, was what in a it, good way oh yeah. yeah 
So it wasn't hard to get back in front of anyone, though, right? No, because we're like, we wrote the thing, we wrote this Bible, we, you know, and they're like, well, we'll check it out. And then, and we re-edited the short for a different tone and, you know. Mm -hmm. When you watch it, it's so funny and it looks like everyone's having so much fun that my reaction at least is like, oh, that must be a blast to work on. Um, whether you're acting in it or writing it, what's the actual process? It truly was a blast. It was a, it's like, I feel like a lot of people say that whether it's true or not, but this one was really, really fun. We, but the, the good and bad part is it was, you know, we had to shoot so fast. And so people just like had to be ready. They had to be, there wasn't any, you didn't get a lot of takes and people just had to bring it the minute director yelled action. And so it kind of just like heightened the stakes and everyone, everyone came to play. Like everyone came and, crushed it and they made all the words so much better like everything michael Ian black says is funny yes even if the line wasn't that great we're like well (laughs) i guess it was that great guess now you know (laughs) now that he said it we're amazing writers (laughs) yeah and in terms of actually writing when when the two of you guys get together and write how does that go um well we had a writer's room which is cool and we all just um you know pitched ideas for the season and then we you know broke all the stories and you know, then just assigned scripts and everyone went out and wrote their scripts and then we brought them back and tried to make all the scripts better. <laughs> so that's kind of it. Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of normal. It's kind of a bland answer, but that's what we did. I just fell asleep. I'm sorry. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what did you say? Yeah. And Garfunkel and Oates, by the way, I shouldn't be pointing this out, but I, I just became, when I was listening back to our old interview, I was like, I begin every question with and or so. And I hate that. I've, I hope I've grown in these, you know, many years since then, since I, that was so long ago. And I'm hearing the and at the beginning of the questions. I, Jeff, edit all those out, please. You, you can't go okay. back and listen to podcasts. I have, I, you know, I had a podcast for a while and just, uh, you were on it. It's just like, I'm such a Valley girl <laughs> and I forget. And then when I get excited, I turn like full valley. I'm like, no, oh my god, and I'm just like, blah, and I can't listen. So, but you're from Buffalo. That I, I know. know that I, I have no right to be that way, and it just is in me. It's like the music is in me. It's just who I am. <laughs> it just comes out. Like I was a cheerleader, you know. I, oh, I forgot. I don't. I don't think I ever knew you were a cheerleader from talking to you, but I knew from Instagram. Yeah. Yep. I just had that kind of valley girl spirit in me always. Well, now you're here. Yeah. Look at that. Adjacent to the valley. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to pose this question with neither an and nor a so. Garfunkel and Oates, the TV show. So, What's going on with that? Um, <laughs> well, we are not doing another season. Um, it's It really was a bummer. We, you know, it was like, it, it was a champagne problem because I had two shows at the same time. But they wanted us to do another season and we couldn't get it out in time because I was still it was in the middle of shooting another period and we still had editing and we tried to come to an agreement and it just didn't it just didn't work we just couldn't turn it around fast enough Mm -hmm. and so because you know we didn't want to rush it and we wanted it to be awesome and yeah it's just I was we were sad that it couldn't work out but you know now we're making our album and we're doing a special you know making our stuff how does working with Natasha compare to working with Kate it's really interesting. Well, they're both tiny brunettes. <laughs> I only like tiny, hilarious brunettes. Um, it's funny because I think uh, interpersonally, it's pretty similar. You know, everyone's got their own opinions and everyone's, you know, got that workaholic side and we're just all sort of like intense women. Mm-hmm. But uh, acting wise, 
you know, when Natasha and I are on screen together, she's sort of the alpha dog. And then when Kate and I are on screen together, I'm sort of the alpha dog. So it's the dynamic is different on screen. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how different it is off screen, to be honest. We're all just like, we just really love making stuff and we get super excited and we just, you know, love to work all day. And I go on writing vacations with both of them. Where do you go? Um, Anywhere, like Ojai or just anywhere around here usually. And then we just write and brainstorm and, mm-hmm. you know. Drink champagne and espresso. <laughs> so when I last talked to you, by the way, I said Swen. The so wanted to come out so badly. <laughs> I just switched it into the next Swen. one. Swen. Yeah. I last talked to you. You said that you didn't know if you could handle dating. You felt like you were just too sensitive for it. Did I? Mm-hmm. Oh, that must have been right around my breakup then. It was. Yeah. Oh, huh. I don't feel that way anymore, which is nice. That is nice. Yeah. How's everything going dating wise? Um, Right now it's not going anywhere nothing's happening but um but I I don't know it's been pretty good it's been sort of you know I guess I wouldn't say great because I'm not in love and I love being in love but um you know there's lots of boys out there do you love being in love so much that you'll be in love with someone who is not worthy of the love uh it's hard to say if someone's worthy of it but I can't I can't make it okay I can't I I haven't been in a serious relationship since your last since your last podcast with me because I just can't fake it. I can't pretend. Yeah. If it's not the thing, I'm just like, uh. I never could either. And I also never could date a bunch of people at once because there was always one that I would like. And then I just began to feel like I was being very dishonest if I was out with the others. I can't date either, more than one person. That's why I'm not on Tinder because I feel like I would only be on Tinder if like the second someone swiped me they would mm-hmm. have to be committed to me until we decided otherwise <laughs> like I, I I truly feel that way I just I I think I I was dating a guy last year and I was pretty sure he was on tinder and I just because I just it just had the vibe like mm-hmm. he was nice but like I kind of felt like I was his Tuesday and he had a Wednesday Thursday and a Friday. I kind of felt disposable what made nothing, you feel that way nothing that just he did just this vibe that I was like yeah, I, 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 he didn't seem invested. Mm-hmm. You that know. makes total sense, though. Sometimes yeah. you can't even point to something. You just know. Yeah. Did, were, were you right, do you think? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. But I could never, you know, keep... I couldn't really keep dating him because I just felt that, you know, you're whatever kind of vibe. Right. Like, oh, if you can't come out tonight, then this other girl, this other girl, this other girl. And I, I don't know. It's a weird feeling that I was not familiar with, I guess. Had you met him online? Nope. No, I've never met anyone online. Okay. Cause I think, oh, that's a lie. Oh, I've met that, people on Twitter. I feel like that, that does that count? I don't know. It's like it's, I met, like I met my husband via email. So did, we actually met online, but I feel like when you say you met online, that suggests a dating service. Yeah. No, I've never done any online dating. I'm, I could never. I'm just, I'm way too shy. I would just, and also like, who has that kind of energy? Yeah. It seems like so much work. It seems like a full-time job. I don't I don't know. It doesn't seem fun. I did it a little bit back in the day, but my although I have friends who are married who met on match. So there are and who met on other ones too. So there are people who do meet people that way. But everybody, just, tons of people. That's like how people meet people now. But my experience was meeting people where I could tell, like, you just want to go on a ton of first dates. I don't think you're going to, you're not going to like, you just, you're just want, you just want options. Yeah. You feel disposable. Yes. Yeah. It's it a like weird, that. it's an icky feeling. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's not something, yeah. I don't like to feel that. 
No. So I have to ask because I'm going through IVF right now. Oh. Um, on Garfunkel and Oates, mm-hmm. there was the plot where your character yep. or you get my eggs frozen. Yes. Yep. Did one of you have an actual experience with that? I did. Did Did you freeze your eggs? Yes. How yes. was that? And what made you it, decide to do it? Um, I think what made me decide to do it was my breakup because I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't because I didn't feel ready to meet anyone. I didn't feel interested in meeting anyone. I was like, I just need to be alone right now. And I was like, oh, while I'm alone, it's like two things. Like I'll get my eggs frozen and I'll not feel that panic of uh, 35. And, you know, I, right. it, it just sort of makes it go away. So that's why I decided to do it. And how, how was your actual experience with it? Because um, it's for, so for people who, it was weird. who are listening, who followed, because I've been talking a lot about the IVF. It's really the exact same thing, except they just, um, they don't, try to fertilize the eggs they right. just freeze them they just freeze them yeah but it's um it was intense i i, I just don't do things the right way <laughs> and i decided to do it while we were on tour oh yeah because i was like oh that's a good idea we were on tour every weekend and so um i would bring my needles with me <laughs> and all my medication on the plane they just let me bring it you know i had a note and i was like why does this count did anyone ask to see the note ever? uh yeah one person asked to they see did. the note. Yeah. did you have to refrigerate the medicine somehow? yeah because mm-hmm. i had it in a little cooler and yeah i would bring it on the road and you know you try to do it the same time every day right and so kate actually has a video of me injecting myself in the parking lot of lax <laughs> And um, I think it was good for maybe the first week. And then I got a little weird on stage. Like I think how? I, I was just, I was really hormonal, mm-hmm. obviously, because you're injecting yourself with hormones. Yeah. And I just started like getting a little weird with the, I don't know. I started getting mad at the plight of women <laughs> in general. And I started just to be, I'm never like this. I have so many male friends and I'm never mad at men as a gender. Right. And for about a week when I was on hormones. I was like, who are you? Like, why do you think you're so great? Like, like I would, I remember saying to this girl in the front row, you know, I was like, is this your, is this your husband? She's like, yeah. I'm like, what'd you have to give up to be with Dave? Huh? <laughs> and she was like, um, well, uh, and I was like, what was Dave worth it? Was Dave <laughs> worth all your dreams? What was, what'd you have to give up? And she's like, well, I wanted to be an architect. I'm like, what do you do now? She's like, nothing. I'm like, was Dave worth it? Like, it was not, it was not like light interaction. Right. But I just had that feeling. I've never really had that before or since, but I was just mad. <laughs> I don't know. Do you have that anger? I, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have so many ups and downs. Mm-hmm. Um, My new thing is just crying in public, mm. which I know that that's like, People think that that's a thing that women do, but I'm not really a crying public I, person. I do that. I'm totally a crying public person. Okay. So I was like, oh, I, I did that, but it wasn't new. So <laughs> I cry. Right. I'm a, I will cry, but I'm not, it's, it's not like, oh, waterworks in public or anything. It's not like another time on air that she cried. You know, I think in my entire time on the Adam Carolla show, I never shed a tear on air. Um, and I cried like in the same week at the fertility clinic, at the egg retrieval, and then today at the gym. So yes, the gym is weird because you're, it's like, it's like you're sort of holding yourself. It's like you're holding your stomach and you're holding yourself in. And then like when you're on the elliptical or something, you're, you have to sort of let go and like, yeah, I cry at the gym too. Yeah. Yeah. I cry at the gym sometimes anyway. (laughs) It's yeah. Because you, it it really is a place where you're kind of like pushing stuff out Mm -hmm. and, and stuff gets stirred up. Um, I hate the gym. I hate working out. Do you go very often? Um, and I often enough, but I'm just like, do you ever feel like you try so hard that you don't, you can't try it one more thing? 
tell me more about that. Well, like, you know, we were like, like show running another period. It was an amazing experience, but you're also like up every day and you're, you're, you're making decisions and you're rewriting and you're just trying your best and you're memorizing your scenes that like, I can't try. Mm-hmm. You go to the gym. I'm like, I, I can't try. Right. I can't. I, my don't try, have my try is done. Yeah. Yes. I know. Yeah. I yeah. know what you mean. I know that feeling. Mm-hmm. I don't really have that right now. I feel like I'm trying to ha- get, have a baby and that's very intense. Um, but other things. The other stuff I feel like is all kind of has its own momentum and is going okay. Mm-hmm. But regarding the anger, there was there were some days that where I was like, I have the most intense PMS ever, and I am mad at every. Yeah, I guess I guess I <laughs> yeah. do have that. It was that was a surprising side effect. Yeah, but I'm never like a hundred percent sure that it's the hormones, even though I know it is. Because mm-hmm. then that's the other thing is that my temptation is to try to find what in my life is causing me to feel this way while I'm injecting myself. Right. You know? <laughs> it's like, it's very clear what it is. Like, why am I but, so hormonal? Yeah. How did you feel about giving yourself the shots? Um, I was pretty okay with it. It wasn't, it wasn't too bad. Mm-hmm. How did you feel? The first time I, I, was always very afraid of needles and I hate getting my blood drawn. Now I'm fine with that, which is a huge, that's a huge thing. So I used to have to lay down and I would get very lightheaded mm-hmm. and I couldn't look. And now I just put my arm out cause they do it so many times. Yeah. Um, the first round of shots, it, the first couple times it was really hard for me, but then I got fine with it. Yeah. And then the second time I thought I would just go back to doing it and it would be like really easy again but the first shot I felt very shaky but then I got really good at it yeah and then I was very proud of myself because yeah. now I think it's a big nothing and it, initially I was icing it and going through a whole thing at the end I didn't even do that really yeah because I I thought even if I feel it it really doesn't hurt very much that's the thing it doesn't hurt that bad yeah you do feel it but it doesn't mm-hmm. hurt but what did you do um menopure yep that one burns yeah yeah but even that's not that bad it's, it's just the, fine yeah. right for me it's the not I'm afraid of pain. I actually have a high pain tolerance, but I'm very afraid of pain. I can handle the actual physical pain. But I just, the lead up is too yes. scary. Right. It's the unknown. It's yeah. that I don't know what this is going to feel like yeah. kind of thing. But I think giving myself the shots is probably better than having someone else give them to me. Totally. Because you have to wait and wait. If, it, if it's the fear of pain, you can just like just jam it in there. Right. I would distract myself. Like I'd talk on the phone or something or I'd watch a TV show. While you were doing uh-huh. it? Yeah. Because then I would just like focus on something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you do it in your leg or your stomach? Uh, both. Yeah, I had. Yeah, I had both. I had three shots I had to take. Mm-hmm. So, so and when was all that? Um, it was I guess maybe right after I did your podcast the first time. Okay. Yeah. So that was a while ago. Mm-hmm. My the reason I never did, and I do wish now that I had, but I always well. First of all, it's that all the, the needles and how invasive it was. I was like, uh, no, no, thank you for all that. But I actually, for some reason, got it in my head that if I take matters into my own hands this much, it actually won't calm my nerves about it. It'll make me more desperate to have a child in some way. Oh, interesting. Even though it's not supposed to do that. Yeah, no. It, it's actually supposed to make you feel like I've got that now now it's okay and there's no pressure. Mm-hmm. I think that I just felt like if I dig in in that way, then I'm saying I really want this to happen and then that'll put my focus there. I don't know. I, I, I didn't handle it all the right way because now – well, maybe even if I had handled it the right way, I would still be having trouble. I don't know. Yeah, I understand that. But it's that's just like – seems like just a 
trick you tell just something you tell yourself like right. superstition or something yes i know yeah. i'm very torn between like for the longest time when someone would say what's your five-year plan i would always just say i just want to be happy because i didn't want to lay it out that much because i didn't want to mm-hmm. become attached to any particular outcome mm-hmm. whereas now i feel like everyone's all about just say what you want to the universe just write it down just this yeah. just make it you know i don't know if i believe in that Totally, because it also feels like you're limiting yourself, right? Yeah, it does. People always ask me about men and what I like in men, and they're like, "What's your perfect guy?" And I'm like, "I, I know it when I see it." Mm-hmm. I see, feel like that's all I can say. And people are like, "No, no," like people are like, "No, lay it out specifically." Like, how tall is he? And I'm like, "I don't care." Like, what color is his hair? I'm like, "I don't care at all." Like, what are you talking about? You know, mm-hmm. I'm not limiting myself with stupid superficial things, right? I think there's. There's a, a, a probably a bunch of books that are like write down in explicit detail right. your ideal man and then put it in a drawer right. and then you're inviting him into your life by telling the universe. I'm the same as you though, where I feel like, but that limits it. Yeah. I just want to be open to life happening. Mm-hmm. Although as I've gotten older, there are more things where I'm pretty, you know, I have more specific goals, but yeah, I don't know. It's weird. I've, it's kind of like, there's so much in culture now that's all about being very explicit about what you want. Yes. And I just don't know how to be explicit about what you want, but not invested in whether it happens or not. Because for me, once I verbalize it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad we're on the same page with that one. Yeah. I used to write down everything. And then I, I don't know, I kind of stopped recently. Because my life just went a different way than I thought. But in some ways, it's so much better than I would have thought. What, did, what way did you think it was going to go? I just wanted to be an actress. I wanted to be an actress so badly. And like I would just write down, like, I wanted to be on a TV show. I wanted to get a guest star. I wanted to. And then I, I didn't really consider the possibility that I could be a show creator. Mm-hmm. And now I love it so much. And I, I wouldn't trade it. So if I had just been like, I have to do this, have to do this, you know, I think I definitely would have been limiting myself. Right. Maybe there's a way to do like a, this sounds good, but also I'm <laughs> right. open to like whatevs, you know? Yeah. I'm open, dear universe, here's my list, but I'm open to you topping it, you know? <laughs> Something like that. I don't know. Why do you think you never considered being a show creator? It just wasn't in my, I don't know. It just wasn't in my realm of possibility. Like when I moved here, I knew zero people mm-hmm. and I was just seeing what would happen. And I kind of only would know one step in front of me. I'd be like, Oh, you need to get your SAG card. And I would know that because you talk to people. And I, I never um, thought broadly, I guess. Cause I think that there's so many people who create their own work. Mm-hmm. And I think that creative, unique people, that's the path that is that they usually go Mm -hmm. but then there's also this idea that if i can be cast in other people's projects there's maybe there's more validation in that Mm. do you think like for you where were you looking for validation uh i don't know that i was and that's not to be like oh i'm sorry i I just don't know that i i was looking for validation i think i just um I wanted to make stuff and I wanted to perform and stuff. And it just, I just didn't totally know what, because I didn't really look at a lot of things and go, that's for me. Right. I would look at sitcoms and I'm not like, oh, I, I would have been better in that. I didn't think, so I didn't know where I fit. There's very few things that I was like, that is the world I belong in. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but when we started Garfunkel and Oates, I was like, this is the world I belong in. And it was really like a homey feeling. And I was just like, oh, I have to put all my time into this. The, and if you were to, def- Ugh, the and, <laughs> God damn it, 
<laughs> if you were to define that world, the one where you initially felt, oh, this is where I belong, what what is that world? It was like uh, – there was like a glee, like an elation. Mm-hmm. Like the first time Kate and I wrote a song, we loved it so much that we started calling all our friends to see who was home so we could play it for them <laughs> that afternoon. Which song was that? And it was a song called Fuck You. <laughs> and my friend Wendy was home and we just drove to her house. I didn't have a guitar case yet. I just had the guitar like on the back seat. And then we just like played our song and she was like, it's good. <laughs> she was like, what's happening? And we're like, we're going to make a band. And it's like that excitement when you wake up and you're like, oh, I get to work on this today. I and I feeling. didn't have yeah. that as much with like, you know, a lot of the acting stuff. Right. Sometimes I did. Like I was on that show Pushing Daisies and we, every day that I worked on, it, I just did one episode, but I was like, I wanted, I wanted that part so badly. And when I woke up in the morning, I was like, I get to do this, <laughs> you know, but it's rare. Did you not have that when you were on? And now I'm forgetting the name. Mm-hmm. Was it Dawson's Creek? I was not on Dustin's Creek. Gilmore Girls? Oh, yeah. Well, I had a very small part on Gilmore Girls. I had, like, I would have just a couple lines here and there. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, I had, I was thrilled to be on it. It was, like, one of my first jobs and I was over the moon to have it. But it wasn't, like, uh, you know, it was, a, like, feeding line. It wasn't a huge part. Right. So, it's, you can only get so excited. What was your Gilmore Girls experience like? Because I avoided that show. For years and years and years, my I lived with my sister and she was very into it and I was always very annoyed by it. But then in the last year, probably in the last six months, I can't remember when I started. I went back and I started watching it, but then I stopped watching it again. But now I'm much more familiar with the world of Stars Hollow. Mm-hmm. I mean, I loved it. I had a blast. And the people, the little crew that I had all my scenes with, when I run into them, I, I love seeing them. And actually, uh, one of the guys, Tank, was uh, t- uh, tweeting me yesterday. So, you know, I just... I don't know. I just really liked those people. I liked talking that fast. It's like the fast talking show. And it's like right where I, that's, that's my speed. And so. Did they tell you to talk fast or do you uh, just know you, is it almost like a game of double Dutch jump rope? And it's like, Oh, you just gotta be fast. You just know they're like action. And someone's like, bah, 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 bah. You're like Oh, okay. I guess I'm, <laughs> I'll get on this train. You can't, uh, you can't slow it down. So. Right. Yeah. Let's take some questions from people on Twitter. Okay. When we ask, we send them in They're wondering how you have been So thanks so much for answering These questions from our fans Okay I don't know why I just got nervous No, you <laughs> nervous Those scary, scary at replies No, you know what? I have to say um, Jimmy Pardo was on the show recently And People sent in really kind of asshole-ish questions for him. And then... Why? I don't know. He's it so was sweet. It was so weird. And then I had Bobcat on and only a couple questions came in, but then a ton of good questions came in for you. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So okay. I don't... It, it. I don't know what creates uh, the different tone in questions, but I don't know if it's the guest. I don't know if it's the time of day. I don't know what it is, but I say go with it. All right. Okay. Here we go. Herb Blaze says, and it's a picture of a, uh, an eye that's very bloodshot. I would love to know how, I would love to know about how you both became friends with Doug Benson. I met Doug Benson on Friendster. You did? Yeah, he's the only friend I made on Friendster. I was doing a play at this theater called The Actors Gang, and I was playing Condoleezza Rice in a <laughs> uh, Commedia dell'arte mask because I'm a total theater nerd. And um, he was in the, 
in the audience. And then he just sent me a message on friends. They're like, oh, I saw your play. And we started messaging each other, you know. Because he's a big theater nerd, too. Totally. And he, uh, and then he was like, I'm actually moving to New York in a few weeks to do a play. And I was like, I am, too. And so we, we exchanged tickets. So I went to see his play and he went to see my play in New York. And then... Was that... Was that... um It was this play embedded. It was the same play I was doing in, in L.A., but it was like just a bigger production and, and uh, Doug was doing the marijuana logs. Uh-huh. And um, so we saw each other's plays and I think maybe we had a drink after or something. Um, but, you know, it was just I would kind of see him around after that. And then once we started doing stand up, we see him all the time. And you met Kate through him, right? Yes. Yeah. We were both going to see his sh- We were both going to see the Benson interruption before it was a podcast. Right. And I met him just from doing red eye in New York, we would both be on a lot. And I think we met over Twitter actually. And then, uh, it was always like, Oh, you know, we should grab a drink when you come to town. And then we did. And then we've been friends. Mm -hmm. He's just so warm. He's so easy to be friends with. He's such a great guy. Mm -hmm. He's nice and he's warm and, um, yeah, he's great. Okay. Les says, can we pre-order her new album secretions? I think so. <laughs> I think maybe next week. We're trying to figure it out. We've never done the pre-order thing before, but we've been talking to people and we actually aren't finishing the album till tomorrow. It'll be done all mastered tomorrow. So maybe, maybe is the answer. Although maybe it's possible as you hear this, you will be able to just go get it. It yeah. might not even be, so need check to be it out. pre-ordered. Tone E says, another period was a mix of humor with vulgar groaners, e.g. piss flaps. Was there debate about the tonal mix? Nope. <laughs> not at all. The piss flaps is one of my favorite terms in the whole show. It's a vagina. And I don't think it's a groaner. It was a Natasha and I were just texting back and forth going, what's an old timey? Let's make up an old timey name for vagina. And we just went back and forth. And then we landed on piss flaps. I think it's great. That's it. Yeah. We had no debate. And it was just in the script. And we're like, who is the funniest saying piss flaps? And we're like, Brett Gellman, (laughs) (laughs) obviously. You mentioned that you changed the tone of the short. Mm -hmm. You edited it so that it was a little bit different. What was it like before? Well, the first one was like 15 minutes or something. Mm -hmm. And we're like, let's make it all the funniest Let's, you know, because, you know, do, the good thing about doing a short is you, some scenes are better than others. Some, one scene from the short is actually in the show and then other scenes, you, you don't get them quite right. And so we're like, let's just make it not have a con- concrete story, but just the funny bits. Gotcha. Steve Jackson says, did you always want to write your own show? And if not, what made you start? You sort of answered that. But... I think I did. And I didn't know it. I think I did always want to write my own thing, but. Had you tried before? Nope. I tried to write a movie a couple times. But I wasn't that great at it. <laughs> Tone E also says, 2931 has been your favorite to perform, but why are you destroying your voice? Do you have a vocal coach? I do have a vocal coach. Um, <clears throat> I'm not destroying my voice, actually. I used to have nodules a few years ago, and I learned a lot of tricks and things. And the way I yell is like the safest way to yell. But I also realized I can only perform 2931 once in a night because we just did back-to-back shows in San Francisco and I did lose my voice. I was like, well, that was my limit. What is the correct way to yell? Sort of um, not like the uh, guttural, but more like the, ah, like the, you know, you know, um, like in your when head little voice kids are playing like and they're that. like, ah, you know, that kind of fakey, right. you know, more like that than the, ah, yeah. I'm going to have to do some yelling later on. In the mask. You yell from the mask, (laughs) as they say. All right. Dan Savage says, why (laughs) is Ricky so mean to me? I don't know. It's just so easy. I don't know. He's just such a jerk. (laughs) 
I didn't know no. you are mean to him. No, I'm not. I love Dan Savage. Dan Savage gave us our first show out of town, Garfunkel and Oates. He, uh, we'd never played a show anywhere but LA, and he invited us to Seattle, and we stayed in his basement, and we played at the bar where he and his husband met, and it was awesome. That's so cool. Yeah, we loved him. Did you know him back then, or was it just sort of an no, online No, he thing? was uh, putting us in his column a lot, and so we got a hold of him. Somehow we got his email somehow just to say thank you, because we started having our album sales go up and all this stuff, and we were like, what's, how, why mm-hmm. is this happening? And that was why. That's so neat. Dylan Dynamite says, will making it be making another comeback? I just don't know. I don't know. A lot of, by the way, he's not the only one who was asking that. A lot of people want to know that. I hope so. It's just so, I mean, as you know, it's very time consuming. It really is. And, you know, just booking people and, and keeping it up is, it's hard. And once I did got the first TV show, it was done. Who was your final guest? I think it was Tig. But I'm not positive. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Rafael Castaneda says, you and Kate are such great rappers. What other musical comedians would you want to have a rap beef with? Flight of the Concords, for sure. Um, Hard and Firm, though, would be a funny because all four of us are so not gangster (laughs) that like, you know, Kate and Mike Furman facing off and me and Chris Hardwick, that might be a funny rap battle. Raphael also says, how much historical research goes into an episode of Another Period? So much. When we choose to ignore historical accuracy, it's choosing to ignore it. It's not for lack of research. But so many things are true that people have no idea. People think we're just making it up. And it's so much is real that we didn't even have to. You know, a lot of the plot lines came directly from Newport. Mm-hmm. How did you guys hook up with Jeremy Connor, who was a guest? Uh, I don't know how long ago, but at some point I had him on and he's awesome too. Well, I'd met him around just a couple times and i'd seen this short called drunk history that was not a tv show it was just a short on funny or die and when natasha and i were looking for a director i was like i met this guy and i'm like and i showed her the drunk history short and she's like oh that's perfect and uh i vaguely knew jason ritter so i texted him and because he's friends with jeremy i texted him i'm like hey um hey it's ricky lindholm i met you like once um do you can i have jeremy connor's phone number <laughs> he was like all right and I called Jeremy and he was out walking his dog and I explained the premise and he was just laughing and he was like, I'm going to read it right now. And then he went home and he called me 10 minutes later. He was like, yeah, we're, we're making this. I love that this story involves phone calls. I feel like none, no aspect of my life involves phone calls anymore. But Jeremy was like someone who I'd seen around but didn't know. I didn't have his number. I'd never had any personal contact mm-hmm. with him except in a group at a party. So but I, I mean, think it would have ch- been a weird text. Right. Like, it could have been an email though. Yeah, but... I mean, I think you made the right choice. I wanted him to say yes. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like they can hear the passion in your voice and that you – why – and you can say with your – you know, it's like you you tell them why you, you want them. He was the perfect person and we really wanted him to do it and, you know, he, people can tell. Right. It was our first choice. Sense. It was our only choice. You know, we went after him. Harold Sticky Hands says, if scientists could create a puppy-kitten hybrid, which parts would be from each species? Well, it would all be from the puppy, and then the kitten would not exist anymore if I had to choose. <laughs> wow. I'm just not a cat person. I don't know. Is that a bad answer? No, it's not. It's fine. If it was, this is for my own personal pet, right? Yeah. Yeah. It would just be all a puppy, I think. I just, I don't know. I'm not. I'm How are you into- feeling, Jeff? Yes, two cats. I know Jeff loves cats. I'm feeling a little misunderstood. I don't mind telling you. I feel a little left out. I don't know where I belong. People get so mad and everyone goes, but you haven't met my cat. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
There he is. Yeah. It's fine. I don't take it personally. You know what I was thinking? A lot of dog people aren't cat people, but are there cat people who are anti-dog? Yes. I'm not one of them, but I know people that are. What's the argument? The dogs are too needy? They're too... Not that they're too needy necessarily, but usually it's that they're too rambunctious. The cats are just more mellow. Wendy's asleep right now, so she's a bad example. <laughs> but that, yeah, that they're just too kind of extroverted and ornery. Right. And cats are just kind of mellow. Take it easy. I, don't I know. feel like I only like things that are hard. If I was going to get an animal, I'd get the hardest one. Right. You know, cats seem too, they seem too easy to actually go down that path. That's interesting, though, because I think that cats are easy as pets, but in terms of getting them to like you, they can be aloof, whereas dogs yeah. are very... Dogs are just ready to see you. They're, yeah, eager. Tallulah says, if you were in the WWE, what song would you play as you went out to the ring? Ooh, that's a really good one. Um, uh, you're the best around. Nothing's going to ever keep you down. You're the best. So for anyone who's under 30, that's from Karate Kid. <laughs> and it's a great song. Sean Sakame says, do you allow for any improv or ad-libbing of lines for another period? Totally. We have some of the best improvisers going in our show as basically as much as we have time for it's shot at such a breakneck pace that sometimes we just have to get it but if we have time i mean if you have tom lennon in a scene you want him to improvise mm-hmm. he's born to improvise the 1902 dialogue <laughs> do you shoot it off script first and then do you do improv or how does it work or is it uh, not regimented like that it's not regiment i mean we just do the scene and then you know we definitely get it at least once and then people can go off if they right. if they want to but sometimes it's hard because to improvise without saying like or you know or to improvise in that sort of uh heightened speech mm-hmm. is not for everybody it's not for me i don't really do it <laughs> unless someone asks me a question in an improv then i'll answer it but does natasha really do um not as much no she does sometimes mm-hmm. but the the big improvisers are basically the cast members of the state <laughs> and brian husky right yeah i was thinking michael ian black i bet does mm-hmm. where do yeah. you guys shoot it at the uh at this little mansion in silver lake it's a really cool old mansion just at the top of a hill in silver lake Raphael casting oh this is his third one but he's just got a lot of questions <laughs> all right with new songs, do you try to push the envelope or are you naturally writing edgier songs? Uh, I think a combination of both. I think we, you know, you get bored, so you don't want to write the same thing. And you're like, we're constantly trying to top ourselves, which is why it takes us much longer to write a song now. Um, I don't know if it's deliberately edgy, but it's, um, we are trying to do something different than we did before. You know, if you write three songs, it's easy, but if you write 50, Right. Then what's the fifty first? You know, but then there was a question which now I'm not seeing it. Um, but I remember something came in that's like, why are you making your songs tamer? Are oh. you swearing less? In, uh, I think it was in regards to twenty nine thirty one. That's not a tame song, in my opinion. Um, Maybe I imagine tamer. It. That's interesting. I mean, that's an interesting point of view. I guess you know people can take what they want from it, but what. Was there cursing in a song and you recently didn't do it? Uh, yeah, actually, but we never released it. We had this song called Such a Loser and we it used to be called Fucking Loser. And then for the IFC show, we had to record a cleaner version of it. And we just went, oh, this is better. But it's not a funny song. It's a sweet song. Mm-hmm. So we just, we kept it for that reason. But I don't think he would know about Fucking Loser because it never saw the light of day. Okay. 
after I ask you this last one, mm-hmm. then I will find wherever that question was. Okay. Lee 6J1S says, I would love to hear any stories about the filming of Hell Baby, such a powerhouse cast. It was awesome. It was in New Orleans, which is the best place to film. And it was with the funniest people ever. It was Tom Lennon and Rob Corddry and Keegan-Michael Key and Paul Shear and uh, Rob Hubel and Leslie Bibb and Robert Ben Grant. And uh, yeah, it was an honor to work on that movie. It was a pleasure. It, I loved it. I, I have a nude scene in that movie that people constantly ask me about, but it was just, um, it was fine. What was it like doing a nude scene? Um, it was fine. It was with Cordry and Keegan and you could not ask for better, you know, scene partners. They're just, they are so respectful and kind and they just want it to be funny. And it was, it was pretty quick and it was fine. And then I went out with Rob and Paul and drank hurricanes. <laughs> so it was a good day overall. And actually this will be the last one. And I can't find the other question. It's in here somewhere. Irregular Cog says, this is so specific, but on the nightly show, Larry whispered something to her during credit roll and she laughed slash seemed surprised. What was it? I don't remember. Is that? No, it's not oh, bad. No. I, think that... I don't remember. You know, I'm not used to really doing late night TV. And so it's that sort of heightened thing where you kind of forget what happened when you're done. I'm definitely not comfortable in that environment as of yet. And so I laugh when I'm uncomfortable. So he might've been like, Hey, thanks for being on the show. And I was like, ah! <laughs> that's entirely possible. Okay. Actually, I lied. This is the last one. Okay. Catherine says, what are her thoughts on the Nuva ring this many years later? I've been listening for a long time. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, I, my thoughts are that whatever you want to put in your vagina, you should do that. <laughs> I think she's saying, are you still, cause we were talking about birth control. Um, that's I, one of those things that I'm like, why did I ever talk about it? <laughs> I, I keep saying things on podcasts that, that, yeah, even like the egg freezing thing, uh, once we did it on our show, people would come up and they go, how many eggs did you get? And I was like, that is, this, is this a competition? Like yeah. it's a weird, that is a weird question to ask. Um, I, uh, you know what? I'm not telling you if I'm still in the Nuva ring. Okay. Ha! I'm keeping it to myself. That's not that much privacy considering how open I've been this entire time. <laughs> so I'm keeping that one thing. <laughs> I'll tell you after talking to you about it, I did try it. Um, but then I was like, I can't handle birth control pills. So, or, or I just can't handle the hormones. Yeah. Um, the irony being now I'm on a thousand just, more hormones yeah. and before they, um, transfer the embryos, I have to go on birth control pills for six weeks, like real high dose ones. Uh, so there's no escaping them in this world. No, no. Eventually everyone will be on them. Even mm-hmm. you, Jeff. I get a vasectomy every six months, whether I need it or not. So <laughs> I'm ahead of the game. That's smart. Yeah. Let's, just in case. Let's do just me or everyone. Sometimes I ponder on something I have thought or done. Is it just me or everyone? Okay. Ashley Kirk says, just me or everyone, always recite my birth date as I present my ID to those who ask to see it. No, I don't do that. I don't either. I think it's just her. I'm going to say that's just you. Mm -hmm. Jeff? Yeah, I've never done that. I always always wonder, like, it seems like they don't even look at it. Yeah. That makes you seem guilty. That makes it seem like a fake ID. Yeah. Like, like, (laughs) uh, yeah. My name is Sharon Thompson. I was born in, yeah. Taurus. Yeah. Yeah. Overselling it. (laughs) I was born in 1974. Brent Hudson says, just mirror everyone. Although I have nothing against L and O, I hate LOL. I hate LOL as well. 
I don't. Just the letters L and O. I think that's what he's saying. Oh. Yeah. He he doesn't he mind no the problem. Out. Right. He doesn't has no problem with the letters, but he doesn't like LOL. The problem is there's nothing better. There's haha and LOL. Those are the only things I have in my texting vocabulary. And it gets kind of old if you're like haha, haha, haha. Especially if you're friends with comedians and they text you funny stuff. You gotta you gotta throw an LOL in there. You know, if I'm okay with an appropriately used LOL. It's when LOL stands in for nervous laughter on a text, that's when I'm like, nothing LOL worthy just happened you know (laughs) right like this is my new haircut lol lol is also a really good response if people are saying something that they shouldn't be saying or shouldn't be saying yet they'll be like oh you know like what are you wearing it's like lol you sort of just like oh to back away from it yeah it diffuses situations too maybe i should use it sometimes i heard a study where they they looked at people on facebook and twitter and studied which of those laughy phrases people use the most and lol was not the most used is it haha haha was I think the so many one. people are going are yeah i think lol is on going the, way the other out. way yeah i get very specific with my laughs on all that like i'll do an arf which is a good one i'll do a oh, yuck nice. a yuck yuck a y-u-k y-u-k uh-huh. and a snort wow oh that's good yeah. do you put brackets around the snort or ask no nah, i just say it. Wow. Do you ever do a he, H-E-H? I don't, I, for a long time, I didn't enjoy that one. No, that's, that's a very specific thing. Like Is that, that That's a, a dirty laugh? snicker. Yeah. It's like, hey, hey. Yeah. Yeah. It's sort of, right. It's like a that's cheap sort of laugh. a passive aggressive text. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, they're like, did you think it was funny? <laughs> <laughs> the last time you were on my show, also, we talked a lot about setting boundaries because you said that for your 30th birthday, you sent an email to all your friends, letting them know that you would no longer be driving anyone to the airport. Yes. And I which still I haven't. I, I have not since or picking them up. Sorry. Have you had to set more boundaries since then? Uh, you know, I got really busy in the last year with another period in Garfunkel and Oates that it's an automatic boundary setter. Like I've had to sort of like win friends back because... I was unavailable to them for were know, they a upset? Year and a half. I mean, are there people who? Um, oh, you've some, changed. Uh, n- mostly no, because people would see that what I w- what was happening. They would see me, you know, up. They would text me at two in the morning. And I'm like, hey, upwriting, and they're like, oh, okay. And then they someone else would text me at five, and I'm like, hey, on my way to the studio. They're like, all right, okay. So most people were understanding. Do you feel like this is the culmination of? a ton of heart like so much has happened and and you're so busy does it feel like oh it's finally happening or you're finally making it or you know it kind of uh having i feel like when a friend of mine on the first day of filming garfunkel notes he he was on the show and he was like do you know the chances of this happening of you writing and starring in your own show that you created and i was like yeah it's really he goes no it's zero (laughs) it 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 like rounds down to zero there's zero chance of this happening and it happened and so for me i just felt lucky and then with another it's 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 a dumb word but it's just unlikely it really is not something that happens every day and to a lot of people. And so I just felt very lucky more than anything. It didn't feel like I deserve this from my hard work. It feel it felt like lightning struck me. Mm-hmm. You know, I was standing out in the field with, you know, holding metal, but <laughs> it did. Yeah, it did come my way. So it was very cool. Batman says, I don't think it's the Batman though. Mm-hmm. When, fi- okay, just mirror everyone. When finals roll around, I find myself staying up until 3 a.m., I find myself staying up that late kind of all the time. Yeah, me too. That's not just you. And during finals, I would stay up even later. Yeah. That's when I would be pulling all-nighters. Yeah. Yeah, that's not just him. 
or her Batman. I just gender. Yeah, no, Batman could be that could be a woman. It could. I think I think this one's a guy. Bruise by Dawn says, I'd much rather be the taker of a photo than the subject. I'm okay being the subject of a photo. Me too. Maybe that's an actor thing. Performer thing. Mm-hmm. You're like, all right. You know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> if you insist. <laughs> but actually what I was thinking is, but so many are selfie these days. You can be both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's just her being the taker instead of the subject. It's a him. It's oh, a him. Don. Yeah. It's bruised. Oh, like- I was picturing Don like Don from Buffy, like D-A-W-N. Right. Yeah. Yes. People, a lot of people are confused by that. And sometimes they think it's bruised. They'll think it's like bruised by Don. But no, it's bruise as in beer. That's a great Twitter oh. handle because he's gotten so much he mileage on so this much show by from his... people being confused yeah. by it. Yeah. Mo's and Bobo says the selfie stick is like the child leash, good in theory, but would never be caught dead using it. That's how I felt until I received a selfie stick, which I used to take photos of the Thursday gang when I try to get everyone in the photo. But yes, I also have the same feeling about the selfie stick, which is that. Um, Let's not. Yeah, I would be ashamed to use it. I yeah. I couldn't do it. Uh, yeah, no. I just use it. It's just functional. But I would never go out in public and use it. By the way, it's a very girly comment, but I love your purse. Thank you. What kind is that? Um, I don't remember. Let me tell you. It's, <laughs> it's Philip Lim. It's very nice. Thank you. Daylin BF says... Just mirror everyone. Like to sit alone in coffee shops overhearing other people's interesting conversations. Today featured riveting train talk. Now see, without a ha or a snort or a yuck yuck, I don't know if that's sarcastic or not. I can't imagine riveting train talk. Yeah, it seemed sincere until they said riveting. Right. Yeah. A- or train. Yeah. But why would you want to listen if it's if yeah, you, if you I hate it? I think it might be sincere. Yeah. I was in Amsterdam a few days ago and we were next to this guy who was maybe a cult leader. And my friend and I just put our heads down and ate our fish and just listened. And it was fascinating. What was he saying? He and was, how could you tell? Well, I heard him talking about things like the secret and these things. And then he sort of w- was like, that's for you know, those kind of people. And he's like, but you know, I am a bigger thinker. I'm the type of person people will follow. And he just kept going. And we were like, this guy's trying to recruit this guy into his religion or something. And that's a good conversation over here. Cause the guy was pretty susceptible. He's like, yeah, you know, things are not going that great. That, that sounds like it could be a good idea for me. And he's like, it is a good idea for you. You're bigger than your life. That kind of thing. Oh, wow. Yeah. Couldn't stop. Did you want to save him? Uh, no. <laughs> the guy who may have been the cult leader was he charismatic yes he was in like this really tailored blue suit and really handsome guy in his like 40s and the the guy he was talking to you know was kind of you know not put together like this guy right was, were they american uh no they, well the one guy was the this more slubby guy was american but this guy was he was probably dutch he was speaking english but i you know, could have an been. accent, right? Yeah. I've never been to Amsterdam. How was it? It's awesome. It's so beautiful. It's so relaxing. It's just nice. Everyone's on a bike or in a boat. They are. Everyone. It's gorgeous. Did you smoke pot? Yeah. How was that? It was fine, but it's, you know, I don't know. It doesn't seem that exciting because you can do it here. Right. But it was nice. I just walked around. Boinkity says, just mirror everyone, if someone follows me on Twitter and their Twitter avatar is a young, attractive woman, I automatically think spammer. 
There are certain types of avatars where you just know that it is a fake account. Really? I've never thought that in my life. I've never noticed. I've never looked really. What did they look like? What are the fake accounts? It'll be like someone's butt in the frame. They're porny. Oh, I would or just assume it was real. <laughs> it'll be like stock. It looks like a stock pretty person photo. Oh, I, I don't know. I guess. Do you know what I mean? I'll let you know when I have more than five Twitter <laughs> followers. <laughs> but every time it's a pretty girl, he assumes that that's kind of right. Sad. That's what I'm trying to figure out is whether he just knows how Twitter is or if this is a low self-esteem thing. Wait. I think I took it in the wrong direction. It I think feels a little low self-esteem. Yeah. Like, pretty girls wouldn't follow me. Probably right. fake. You know, that kind of thing. I think that's maybe how he means it. Shittlesworth says, when I hear my husband snoring, it makes me feel jealous because he's asleep and I'm not. Well, yes, because he's asleep and I'm not because he's snoring. Yeah, agreed. I feel jealous of people who sleep. Kate Micucci, my girlfriend's nose partner, can sleep so easily. And it's really the only sort of envy that I think I have in my life right now. We'll get on a plane. She'll be talking, animated, whatever. And she's like, I think I'm going to take a little nap. She'll lean back. And then be asleep like that. And she'll sleep for four hours. And oh. I'm just like, why isn't that me? Like, why can't I close my eye? Like, why can't I be that peaceful? Yeah. She's just so... Is she a very peaceful person? Yeah. Like, she must be to just... You know, she can go from total conversation to fast asleep for hours in a moment. And I am extremely jealous. I, I feel like I've been talking about this too much lately. But it's been on my mind because I'm so tired. I feel like it takes me till the morning to get tired enough to sleep. Well, I mean, that's not true because I'm tired all the time. I'm just saying, like, I've been having insomnia lately, and it is beginning to affect me. Yeah. I'm an insomniac. I have been forever. What do you think it is? I don't know. I honestly don't know. I had a doctor that told me it was ADD because I can't mm. turn my brain off. I don't know if that was right. And and the type of medication that they would give you for ADD does not help you sleep. No, that's so, their uppers. Yeah. So I don't know, honestly. Yeah, I don't know. I know that if I read or watch something before I go to, well I was gonna say that'll wake me up so mm -hmm. maybe that does suggest it's my brain being overactive except that if I'm watching television in the living room which Daniel and I usually do before we go to sleep I always fall asleep out here but mm -hmm. then when I get in bed I can't sleep yeah I don't understand the people who say that you can't watch tv before you go it's the only thing I was an insomniac for years and years and years and then I discovered law and order and it does put me to sleep I watch it every night before I go to bed and then the type of people are like, you know, you can't. I'm like, uh-uh, listen, <laughs> you were not an insomniac for 27 years before you discovered this. So don't tell me not to use it. And do you like the traditional law and order versus SVU? The regular law and order is my favorite, followed by SVU, followed by criminal intent. But uh, any of them will do the trick. I really don't enjoy criminal intent. But I use it to turn my brain off and go to sleep. Right. So I don't always make it to the final verdict okay yeah criminal intent the problem with that one is vincent d'onofrio no it's the plots it's they never so basically law and order is like they apprehend someone in the first half in the second half jack mccoy prosecutes them and it's a, this fair fight in court and they fight it out svu is mostly about catching them but then they're also in court mm -hmm. criminal intent is about we don't have enough evidence <laughs> all we have is the charm of detective gorin who's gonna charm you and then yell at you till you confess and that happens every single episode they've never had enough evidence to convict someone they send in gorin and he you know gets right in their face and is like confess and they're like okay <laughs> it's comforting how formulaic those shows are yeah there was probably like a whole summer when i first discovered law and order svu i was living in new york 
Um, and I always, I felt like I kept liking the wrong guy. And then one day I was watching a show and I thought this must be some really shitty thing from the eighties, like silk stockings. Mm -hmm. And then I realized, no, this is actually current. Yeah. This is from now. This is not an old TV movie I've stumbled on. This is first run. seems like it. Yes. (laughs) And then I started watching it all the time. And I stopped trying to date anyone and I stopped going out. It was really weird. It became like my drug for that summer. And I worked on myself, but also watched a shit ton of Law & Order SVU. There's something about it. It puts my brain in a meditative state more than meditating does. It just puts me in this weird middle zone where I'm not thinking about anything. I'm not totally paying attention. I'm just not, but I'm not thinking about my day or whatever. Mm -hmm. Do you think... I remember thinking, because I was trying to analyze it. Why does it have this hold on me? Why is it so comforting? Because it's kind of gory. I don't know, but I know a lot of people, Steve Agee falls asleep to it. I saw Sarah Silverman tweet that she fell asleep to it. Um, do you know Ben Montench? No. He falls asleep to it. Lot, yeah, lots of people I know fall asleep to Law & Order every single night. It's so a world something. where there's no nuances. Like everything is... Mm-hmm. it's very black and white mm-hmm. do you think that has something to do with it or do you think it's like a cadence kind of thing i think it's a cadence because it starts with the voice you know it's like in the criminal justice system sexually based offenses are considered especially heinous and he brings you in yeah. you know and then by the end it's like and you're like all right all right cool um my only problem with law and order is that the theme song is a little too loud so i fast forward <laughs> the theme song because it keeps me it puts me in the awake mode you know but right. then it's just you know they walk in and someone's you know washing the counter and they're like hey have you seen this guy around it's this exact cadence right now so Mm -hmm. it's already you know just there's no exciting music right it's just them talking that's what makes it seem like something from a long time ago Mm -hmm. if i may i do this but with perry mason now which comes on at 11 30 and i fall asleep to perry mason almost every night and i used to do it to law and order similar cadence perry mason yeah Yeah. and it's it's very old-timey and slow paced but the i think the thing that works about it is that it's engaging enough that you're distracted from whatever you're thinking about mm-hmm. and it draws you in, but you're not losing your mind. Right. It's a good show and you're yeah. paying attention to it, but you know where it's going to go more or less. Yep. So it has this oh, totally. rhythm to it. So you're you're distracted by it, but you're not too engaged. Yeah. It's that perfect I, thing where it's yeah, not, it's a sweet spot. you know, it's not breaking bad where you're like, what's going to happen? Yeah. <laughs> so you can, you can miss it and you're fine with miss. And there's also a thousand episodes. So mm-hmm. if you didn't know what happens in that one, you're fine. But yeah, yeah it's that sweet spot. Are you watching current SVU? Is it even still on? Um, I am, but it's a, that one's a little too exciting to fall asleep to. I'll watch it as, you know, regular TV, but that right. one is more, there's too much action. It's, it's, it, it got more exciting. Maloney's not on it anymore. Is no. He? No. Is Olivia on it? Oh, yeah. Okay. Olivia's, Olivia Benson's on it. And then they, I love the cast right now. Ice-T's still on it. Who's the who's her? Who replaced Christopher Maloney? She is the captain now. Oh, so really? She doesn't no more Dan need Florek? a partner. No. No, Dan, Dan, you know, they. he had some... I don't remember what it was that happened to his character, but he, he retired. I'm going to need to get back into it. I know. Because what happened was I kept just seeing the same episode. I was like, I think I've actually What's run out of episode. What's the one you always see? The he was some that I remember. Michael Gross, mm-hmm. Father on Family Ties. I've seen that one. Of course, He's, you have. He. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Chad Lowe, I think, is in one. I Maybe bet he not. is. I can't remember it. And the one that was a, a um like ripoff of the Michael Jackson story. 
I don't know if I've seen that one. You don't? I, no. That's the one that I kept seeing. I don't know who was in it, but it's someone, it's basically, it's the Michael Jackson story, essentially. Wow. I need to find that one. I've seen the Michael Gross one many times. Yeah. That one pops up a lot. Mm. And I've also seen the one in the art gallery where the woman's like hung. There's like a, they find, I, I don't like seeing hanging victims on TV. Gunshot yeah. victims are fine, I guess. For whatever reason, it doesn't like shock me, but hanging, mm-hmm. I ne- I can't, That that's not relaxing to me. Right. Right. <laughs> And lastly, Amy Baker says, just me or everyone, when Allison talks about wearing a nightgown to bed, this is what I picture. Hashtag, what is a nightgown? And there's a little photo. It's a little bit grainy, but it's these like bed frocks. Um, Well, I'll have you know, these days I wear pajama bottoms and a t-shirt. And if it's cold, pajama bottoms and the matching pajama top. But for years and years, I did wear nightgowns, which are just like oversized t-shirts that are a little bit longer. They weren't uncomfortable? No, um, no, in fact, I think it's more, I'm trying to think. The reason I never really wanted to wear pajamas was I felt like if I roll over, they're going to stay in one position and I'm going to roll over without them Mm -hmm. versus a nightgown like you can kind of roll around easier. They're really not because they're really just oversized t-shirts. I didn't wear some kind of frilly nightgown with like a lace edging that's what or I'm something picturing. yeah <laughs> like from land's end although when i was a kid i had plenty of those Me it too. was like a flannel nightgown um i always slept in woogies do you, wait do you guys call them woogies like those footy pajamas oh i loved those yeah, we called them woogies and i always slept in those yeah what do you sleep in um like sweatpants and i i bundle up i i just like to have to, yeah socks and sweatpants and a sweatshirt and mm-hmm. t-shirt and it's oh really, yeah it's really sexy sleeping <laughs> next to me is a dream i'm like in a full sweatsuit watching law and order being like you can't talk to me or have to start over <laughs> i like, love great. that though i love being swaddled <laughs> me too in, in a blanket and yeah me too well ricky lindholm it was delightful catching up with you yeah you too thanks for having me is there anything we missed Anything else you want to talk about? I don't know. Buy our album. It's good. It's really good. It's our best one. And I, I'm not just saying that. It's I, I love it. I'm so happy about it. So I'm excited to hear it. September 10th. You guys, if you're going to buy something on Amazon, which you are because they have everything, perhaps a Woogie or all the seasons of Law & Order, any of them, click through the banner on my the Amazon banner on my website, Allison Rosen. doesn't cost you anything extra. It helps out the show. I think I didn't finish the thought. What I was going to say is if you're going to buy something on Amazon, maybe I did say that. I might be losing my mind. I'm going to blame the hormones. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, click through the Amazon banner on my website, Allison Rosen. It helps out the show. Thank you for your Amazon support. Thank you for your PayPal support. PayPal links on the right side of the website. We have ringtones available. Hey, 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 go fuck yourself. And hot summer jams. Touch the tushy, touch, touch the tushy, tushy, <laughs> touch the tushy, touch, touch the tushy, tushy. And a special song tushy, that Greg Heller made tushy, for the Al Quiz, uh, and that's available for a pay what you want price. And these are all available on gumroad.com slash Allison Rosen. That is G U M R O A D.com slash Allison Rosen. So get those there. Also, we have two special bonus episodes recorded live at the LA Podcast Festival. Those are $1.99 in the comedy album section of the iTunes store. You can follow me on Twitter at Allison Rosen. Follow the show's Twitter feed at A-R-I-Y-M-B-F. Email us show at gmail.com. Jeff, where should we go for you? You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Colonel Jeff Fox. Oh, and I'm on Instagram as well at Allison Rosen. 
and Facebook. And Ricky, where should we go for you and um, plug whatever you want? Uh, my Twitter and Instagram uh, is Ricky Lindholm. Or wait, yeah, Ricky Lindholm and Garfunkel Oats. It was too long when we started Garfunkel and Oats, so it's Garfunkel Oats. We have both. And then we have a Facebook too, I guess. I don't ever see the Facebook, but but you think one. you have one. So go find yeah. that. Kate runs the Facebook stuff. Okay. It's it's probably amazing. You should check it out. I'm going to go check it out right now. Yeah. <laughs> I maybe I am checking it out right now. Mm-hmm. Thank you again for being on the show. Listeners, thank you for listening. I love you. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen show? We had a good time, but now we got to go. Yeah, Allison Rosen. Friend.